Welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I'm Josiah King. And I'm Chuck Jones. Today we are back where it all started, at the 76th Street Diner in, uh, in Byron Center. Yep. Today I have the Southwest Skillet, sorry, the Southwestern Skillet, technically. It was pretty good. Chorizo, potatoes, cheese, eggs, that kind of thing. All the good breakfast things. Yep. Well, I settled for the Southwest Omelette, which had pretty much the same stuff. Yeah, just in a slightly just different package. Yeah. <laughs> the eggs were folded differently. Yep. We tend to like that Southwest. That's a, a theme I'm seeing here. Yeah. So today we're we uh, going to be talking over Chuck's testimony and kind of just letting him share his life story. Uh, kind of a follow-up to uh, what we did last week with mine. So, the floor is yours. Take it okay, away. Okay, well, I'm, I don't think mine will be as exciting as yours. But it might be a little longer. Perfect. So, uh, I, was, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can I can remember being uh, young, and uh, having the desire to please God. I don't know that it had anything to really to do with pleasing my parents. I, I, you know, I'm sure there's some psychoanalyst that'll make that connection, and but. I don't think so. The uh, the notion I had I had at when I was seventeen or eighteen years old, seventeen I think, still in high school. The Vietnam War was going on. Seriously, nineteen sixty-seven, and. Uh, All us brave young men had to sign up for the draft or dodge it. Well, I didn't really want to do either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll take a little bit. Do you want some more? Yeah. Thank you. Good. Thanks. So I looked around, I talked to the school counselor and talked about alternatives and he said well they can't draft you if you're enlisted okay so now I had to determine who to get enlisted with and uh, you know there's same options for everybody my uncle had been in a had been a sailor so that Kind of lead me that way. Then I, this is silly, but it's what I made my decision on that being in the Navy would have, I would have been one person among bazillion of sailors, which multiplied the, the chance that they would mess up my paycheck <laughs> somehow. Well, there were 
only 35,000 men in the Coast Guard. I mean, there's more policemen in New York City than Coast Guardsmen. So I said, okay, that's what I'll do. My dad was fairly well agreed to it. Well, I thought then, well, what about going to the Bible college? Hey, going to college, not getting drafted. People were doing that. Well, I wasn't sure. So I asked for some advice from somebody that I thought would be able to give me some good advice. And he did give me good advice. He didn't tell me how to use it, but he said, pray about it. <laughs> like how? He never told me. That's always a tricky answer. Huh? Yeah. So uh, I went in the Coast Guard. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that was probably a bad decision. But there I was. And uh, the Coast Guard shook my connection with God pretty seriously. It sounds like maybe in a negative way. And in a negative way, yes. Big time negative way. Well, it was only for four years. You know, and I kept reminding myself, you just spent four years in high school, and that went quick. Mm -hmm. It did go quick. Well, I got discharged, and I, I was married in the, while I was in, in, in the Coast Guard. And uh, I got discharged, had one child, came back to Grand Rapids, and for a, a little while we lived with my folks and then got a place down in, uh, what would that be? I don't know what the name, area of that city is, city is called, but Grand Rapids. We found a house to rent, the top half, and uh, got, got a job. I still had this idea about serving God. That still was there. I didn't know how to. And uh, so, you know, nothing happened. Well, I found out that the GI Bill, through the GI Bill, I could get a college education. Now, you have to understand, I never really thought I wanted one in the first place. But uh, Davenport College had a program specifically set for veterans that they had a course laid out and you get hooked up with it and the VA would send them my money and they, Davenport would write a check for what was left over for me where it turned out to be a little more than a hundred dollars a month. You know, I'd certainly always rather get a hundred dollars than pay a hundred dollars. Totally agree. Well, that was a good two years experience 
although I never wanted to go to college, it was a good experience. Two years, night school, and uh, I graduated with honors. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> well, it was fun, and I wanted to learn it, and I did. It gave me the understanding of how college worked a little bit. Well, we moved out to Portland, Oregon, and we moved out there for three years. After, after my college experience, I thought to myself, I know, how, I know how this worked there. We didn't really have professors. We had instructors. And these were business people from the community that taught classes. Now, that's not a good thing or a bad thing, but it's what we had. And, you know, you read the books, you listen to what the instructor says, ask him a question if you don't understand, and you get the stuff. So I thought, well, you know, I could, I could, uh, get a hold of uh, the book list from Oregon Bible College, read those things, and if I had any questions, there were people that I could uh, talk to about it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, why not? So I did, and uh, I started studying like I had, and it turned out to be a good thing. There were opportunities to go to seminars, specifically design seminars for particular topics. And uh, I learned what I could out of the books. And it was pretty much learning because of necessity. There was a church there in Portland. It was a Advent Christian Church that I was attending. That's where I met Charlie Homo, okay. actually. Well, and you were in Portland? At this Portland, time? Oregon, yeah. Good time in Portland. Anyway, I was teaching before we moved to Portland. I had served as a youth leader and served as an elder and even had opportunity to present a sermon at least once. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, out there in Oregon, I uh, served as an elder, taught a Bible class and preached occasionally. So I thought, wow, I might be able to get some good experience here to go along with these things I've been reading. Mm -hmm. And I, it may give me opportunity to uh, learn things because of a necessity. How do you handle this or that? And so it was a good learning opportunity for me. Well, they, I, would, I was told pretty flatly, 
Well, you're not going to be the pastor here. Oh, okay. So, Southlawn Church in Grand Rapids it was having trouble finding a pastor, so I sent him a letter with a taped sermon on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> in it, in the letter. Uh, cassette? Uh, yeah. Wow. The old technology. Well, I, and my, my thought was at the time to move across the country from Portland to Grand Rapids for at least a year to get one year's experience. And so that's what I offered the church. And they uh, agreed with that. And so we came back to Grand Rapids and started pastoring the church there at Southline. Did I know what I was doing? No. Did I really have any good experience? No. Did I think it was going to be okay? Yep. One uh, simple thing that I had experience with was standing on Scripture is a good, solid, safe place to be. Absolutely. And so that was pretty much the basis for that. Well, the first year came and gone. Matter of fact, we didn't even throw the boxes away that we moved with so that we could use them in a year. The, that year came and ended and they had a vote as churches are prone to do. And they are indeed. And uh, they decided to keep me. So I stayed, got rid of those boxes. Mm. <clears throat> it ended <clears throat> it ended there after nine years it was my fault you know acted unpastorally is that a word unpastorally yeah that's uh, back in the history now well I thought I had a good handle on it, and the church was doing terrific. I mean, on Sunday morning, we had standing room only. Even we had two little overflow areas. Mm-hmm. Like in the back of the sanctuary? Yeah. 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 So, you know, and those were full. It was, it was, uh, things were happening. And this was in the 90s? 80s. 80s. So uh, after taking a few years off from the pastorate, we accepted the job in Pomona. And that only lasted 16 years. Pomona's far away. <laughs> far away. During that 16 years, I got a, a diploma from Atlanta Bible College in 2004. And uh, California is a different place, different place altogether. But uh, we were able to stay there for 16 years. And during that 16 years, I even got into some 
graduate studies, which I really appreciate, I really enjoyed that. And uh, then it got to be being old and uh, not able to recover so well from Sunday morning yep. that uh, Carol was going to retire from the school system. She was old enough to do that. Okay, let's see about doing this. And so I was old enough to get Social Security. And I thought, well, listen, if I get Social Security and keep working at the church, uh, but the IRS or the Social Security Administration frowns on that kind of thing. So we didn't, we didn't consider that. So I've written a couple of books that I found, I discovered that writing a book isn't that difficult. You know, I certainly don't brag about, hey, I writ I've written two books, because when you read them and you see all the typographical errors, that kind of <laughs> negates the whole process. So what else do you, would you like to know? I don't know. What else would you like to tell? I guess I'm kind of interested. Did you grow up uh, in a Christian home? Were your parents faithful at all? Yeah. Yeah, they were uh, a pretty good influence on me that way, you know. And I was baptized, I think I was about 12 years old. And uh, I, I knew I needed to do that. Yeah. So, you said the Coast Guard had a rough spell on your faith. What... Like, what brought you back? Or did you ever, like, really abandon your faith in the Coast Guard, or...? Well, I, I think if you looked at, were able to look at how I was living, mm -hmm. you would think, yeah, I did. Just toss it right away. But the, the effects of that life is what brought me back. You know? Like the guy said, when you're at the bottom of the pit, the only way you can look is up. Yeah. So do you feel like you had a, a reconversion experience or anything like that where you were called back? Or something hit you all of a sudden like, oh, wow, where am I, you know? Yeah, there was one day I was driving and I realized that my brain wasn't working like it was like it should. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, changing the station on the radio in the car or something. And something hit me that, boy, this doesn't seem right. Well, it wasn't. But uh, that's where, like the prodigal son feeding the pigs and he came to his right mind. That, I think, is a time that I came to my right mind, too. Hmm. So, faith has always been a part of your life, it looks like. But what maintained your faith? Like, what drives you to believe in God, you know? 
there's a lot of different options out there. So like, is there is there anything that makes you feel more confident in your belief, or like what what makes you believe in a world that pressures you not to? Well, it's just that God is real. That you can say or do whatever you want, try to disguise it, cover it up, ignore it, but that doesn't change the fact. You know, we can say for pretty certain that the, <coughs> the highway is just over there. I can't see it. How do you know it's over there? You, you didn't drive on it this morning either, <laughs> did you? Uh -uh. No, I didn't. But you have driven on it. I have. And you could say pretty, pretty much with certain that, yeah, the highway's over there. But you know, that isn't a permanent thing, the highway. They can dig that up and move it. You can't do that with God. Mm -hmm. He is permanent. There was a thought many years ago I had about faith. What is faith? Have faith in Jesus. What does that mean, have faith in Jesus? Know how to spell his name? <laughs> Hopefully you're not dyslexic. <laughs> well, I am, but... Oh, that's yeah. another interesting thing about you. Oh, yeah. That's another whole story. But uh, the, the thought that came to me was, having faith in Jesus is, for me, was... Are you willing to trust him with your life? Regardless of what goes on, are you willing to put your life in his hands? And for me, that was what faith was. You're going to have faith in him. You're going to have to trust him. And so, you know, that's pretty much all there is if that makes sense yeah and so even today is I know the difference between trusting God and not trusting God I know the difference when I'm doing one or the other I know that and I have to uh, keep track of myself. One of the things that keeps coming up over and over and over is self-control. It's always been a battle for me. I would say you're not alone in the human race. I think you're sitting at a table with good company in that, in that respect. Yeah, well, I thought mine were... Mine were uh, tougher battles than most, but it's not a competition. I agree. <laughs> I can sin better than you. Yeah, let's that not try. That, does, that doesn't work. And so there were times as a pastor that decisions are made that are not popular, but they're the right things to, 
decide. And I can remember I, in prayer time once that it was like a, a vision kind of a thing. Now, I don't know if it's a real or not, but it seems like it to me. And I, I saw myself standing on a Bible. It was big enough that if my feet fit on it, but the, I'm standing on this Bible and God says to me, you trust what I say and I'll look out for you. Okay, what else do I need to understand here? Yeah. Nothing. Sticking with what the Bible says for me is the easiest thing to defend. You can defend all kinds of things with the Bible by twisting the scriptures. That don't make it right. What scripture says is what we is what we ought to pay attention to. Yeah. So back to that self-control thing. I have in the past quoted what Paul said that I'm I'm the worst sinner that ever lived. And I sometimes know that's the truth. You know? It's safer that way. Yeah. It really helps not to get too proud or arrogant. And one of the things that I found in a contentious church setting is that I really oppose people who want to destroy the church. And I mean the local church. You want to do that, you're going to have trouble from me. I have mentioned to people, does it matter what the decision is? It's not our church. It belongs to Jesus. If you die, spill your blood, you may have a larger voice. But at the moment, he's the only one that's done it. Let him decide. Because if I think... If I think that Jesus can get to me and change my thinking, I have, to, I have to think the same thing about you. And so if that's the case, I need to let Jesus do that. I don't need to change your thinking because I might change it to something that's wrong. Yeah. It ain't gonna happen with Jesus. Right. But so if we have a disagreement, I need to pray for Jesus to change our understanding to what's correct. It might be you, it might be me. It might be another option. There you go. Yep. So. I have one last question for you. Okay. Would you say that you found your life of faith worth it? Oh yeah, definitely so all the years of dedication. It's all worth it. You know, you can, you can wait and expect to get recognition from humans. That's a temptation. You can wait and do that, and it might never come. <laughs> yeah. Or you might receive just the opposite. But you do something and as Jesus said, you pile up treasure in heaven. 
that doesn't go away. Where neither moth or rust destroy. Yeah, you can you can believe that. And so I think of getting recognition from Jesus, and that's better than any other man, or all of them together. Yeah, you know, it is worth it. You know the old hymn. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You know that song? Mm -hmm. Why weren't you singing? I was letting you take the floor. <laughs> Solo. How embarrassing. So anything else you uh, would like to impart on us today? Stick with scripture. That's able to make us wise to salvation. Don't think anything else is. Don't think that. I agree. I think resting on Scripture is the best place to be. That's the one thing that hasn't changed. And you know it won't. You know it won't. All right, Chuck, well... Okay. We're going to try this again, so you listeners set your dial. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have another episode next week. So uh, I created a, a new email for us. It's breakfasttheology at gmail.com. So if you'd like to uh, leave a comment or uh, write us a question or something, uh, we will point it out in the podcast and uh, yeah. make it known to people what you said. So uh, drop us a question or comment, uh, anything at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. Until next week. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye now. <laughs>